Welcome to Fantastic History. I'm Sarah. And I'm Clay. We're a husband and wife duo who enjoy telling each other about amazing events, people, and mysteries throughout history. I have a story for you that is so obscure, there isn't even a Wikipedia page for it. That's pretty rare. Yeah, and this is this is like a first for me because even though I only use Wikipedia as like a source for more sources, yeah. I've never researched a story that simply does not exist on Wikipedia. That's surprising. Not even um, um, Woman Chief? No, Woman Chief had a, a Wikipedia page. Wow. I remember you saying you, you had a, a difficult to find, time finding any sources for that one. So, Oh, yeah. Like the links in the Wikipedia were to books. Like there weren't like okay. articles and things, but there was like a very brief Wikipedia page. Okay. So not for this one. Interesting. Yeah. So it's it's honestly pretty exciting. So here we go. Our story opens in Lapland, a forest in Kentucky that is steeped in metaphysical lore. Though that's in Meade County today, which is a little bit southwest of Louisville. But in the early 1800s, it was just Lapland. Like, that was the name of it. Walking into this forest, it's eerily quiet, despite all the wildlife. And it's dark no matter what time of the day it is, because the trees are so dense. This was an area of the country originally inhabited by the Cherokee people, many of whom rightfully refused to abandon their land after the passing of the Indian Removal Act of 1830. Mm -hmm. To this day, the population in this area is pretty sparse, with fewer than 800 people, like as of 2024. Yeah, it's pretty sparse. Very sparse. I mean, it's not even a town. You know, it's an unincorporated area. So just to give you a little background there, because those sorts of statistics usually give you at least some idea of what the locals are like, right? Yeah. Like these are people who kind of like keep to themselves sort of people. Like there's not, you know, you don't have a mayor. There's no like town council because you're not a town. You don't even have a post office. Like, I guess I guess that's either what you're looking for or what you're left with. Right. Hmm. So, in Battletown, Kentucky, which is in this area, a little girl named Leah was born in 1818 to John and Margaret Ann Smock. She was a beautiful child with dark hair and dark eyes. She ended up being the eldest of three children. Obviously, because it's the early 1800s, her mom stayed at home with the kids, and her dad made barrels for a few lime quarries in the area. As she got older, it became apparent that Leah was basically a genius. She ended up leaving school after just a couple of years because the teacher ran out of things to teach her. (laughs) Yeah. Now, this is a problem when you remember that she's also beautiful. You are not allowed to be beautiful and smart and a woman in the early 1800s. Like, you might as well be the actual devil at that point Mm. because you are tempting people left and right to make matters worse in the minds of her neighbors one of her best friends was a cherokee boy known locally as indian jim they liked to spend time in the woods together and he would tell her all about herbal remedies and things like that that had been used by his people for hundreds of years Hmm. she took to this really quickly as you'd expect for such a smarty pants and it wasn't even just herbal remedies for people that she got to be super knowledgeable about She also understood things like if you kill the weeds near a pond, cows can still 
like die from drinking that pond water because the poisonous roots are still touching the water. So just because what's above the ground is dead, those roots are still there and infecting, you know, the earth, the water, whatever. Sure. This was stuff that for the most part, like white people just did not know back then. So she's beautiful. She's super smart. Her family makes decent money and she can heal the sick and stop livestock from dying. And also it's the 1800s in backwoods, Kentucky. Where do you think this story might be going? I can't imagine it going anywhere super great. Yeah. Pretty much everyone in Battletown thought she was a witch. Sure. Yeah. 1800s, though. 1818, so early 1800s. Like, this has only been a country for, like, a couple decades. Like, this, and we're talking about, like, I mean, Kentucky hadn't been a state for that long. It's still sparsely populated. This, you know. Yeah. You know. So there are a couple of stories that seem to support that theory. But, of course, they've been repeated so many times and for so long that, like, honestly, who knows how true they are. The first is that one day while Leah was in town, she came across a horse belonging to one of her neighbors. She asked if she could pet the horse, and the rider, for whatever reason, said no. Probably because there were already rumors about Leah at this point. And she was like, fine, whatever and went about her business. Mm -hmm. The next day, the horse died. In a very similar but distinctly separate story, Leah asked to hold someone's baby and was told no, and the baby died the following day. Similar stories. Very similar, but always told as like, told together as in like, it's not that they're getting the stories mixed up, it's that both of these things happen. Isn't that crazy? Mm. Now, there are a couple things to note here. First of all, given the infant mortality rate in the 1800s, it's hard to overlook that particular instance as anything, like, it's probably just a tragic coincidence if it really happened. Second, why would Leah curse the horse when it was the rider who told her no? Like, the horse didn't do anything wrong, you know what I mean? And even separately from all of that, People who either don't believe in curses or don't believe Leah was malevolent have pointed out that, you know, considering these two subjects died soon after encountering Leah, isn't it distinctly possible that with all her acquired knowledge, she took a look at the horse, took a look at the baby, and saw that there was something going wrong with both of them? Like, maybe this horse is exhibiting some strange symptoms and she's wanting to take a closer look so she can say, oh, have you noticed this? You might want to try that. And then the same with the baby. Like, have you noticed this? You might want to give him that. I mean, who, I mean, who knows? I mean, it's makes more sense than the fact that, like, you can't hold my baby. Fine, I'm going to kill it then. Like, <laughs> what? I mean, people will look at any type of coincidence. And sure. Like, like, oh, I passed by the house. Mm-hmm. And then the next, the very next day, mind you, my foot hurt. <laughs> it had to have been that that witch. Right. You know. Well, for all that people back then loved to gossip about Leah, those are actually the only two instances of her using her alleged magic to harm anyone. Hmm. Now, if she was so petty that being told no to a simple request made her murder via curse, I feel like there would be a lot more remembered instances of her doing bad things to people. You know what I mean? Instead of just those two specific stories yeah 
and especially over time, you think they would have built up and like, oh, now there's like every day she was cursing people and the crops died and whatever. Like, but that's not the case. Right. Either way, folks weren't too comfortable having her around after that. On August 21st, 1840, the Smock family and their two youngest children went on a short trip to a nearby town. There's not any information I could find about why Leah didn't join them or why they were going. I assume it was probably related to the dad's business. But she was 22 years old at this point, so there's every reason to believe that like, that simply wasn't her idea of a good time. And she was looking forward to having the house to herself for a little while. Sure. This turned out to be a horrific mistake on her part. Not long after her family's departure, a group of men from in town showed up to the smock home. They dragged Leah out of the house, hogtied her, and threw her in the family's smokehouse before setting it on fire. Hmm. They then stood around and watched the fire grow and spread and did not leave until Leah stopped screaming. Terrible. Yeah. Leah Smock is the only person in American history to be burned to death for witchcraft. While quite a lot of people were burned for witchcraft in Europe during the Middle Ages, that practice didn't carry over to America. Those accused in the Salem witch trials were hanged, with the notable exception of Giles Corey, who was pressed to death. Right. About 30 years before that, and one state over, the Hartford Witch Panic in Connecticut found about three dozen people guilty of witchcraft, and the 11 who were executed were also hanged. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's a grim little fact to tuck away for later. Only one accused witch was ever burned in America, and it was a 22-year-old woman who'd learned native herbalism from a Cherokee friend. Great. And supposedly cursed a horse and a baby because she could not Uh touch them. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. Mm Mm-hmm. Great. Which which, which I was thinking about that and I was like, that's that's like the opposite of what you expect. You expect they touched me Mm -hmm. and passed some kind of curse or or they had something on their hands, some sort of Mm -hmm. mixture, concoction. But no. Nope. You, 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 you've just been slighted, well, barely. And especially because, like, everything that was known about her was, I mean, she would, like, mix up tinctures and do, like, herbal, like, blends for tea and stuff to give people to make them feel better. So it's like everything that she did that might make her seem like a witch, first of all, was done to help people. Right. But second of all, was done with herbs, like ingestibles. So how, if she didn't come into contact, like, what are we talking about here? I guess it's just that case that we come across a lot on Mm -hmm. this show is people don't think rationally. Mm -hmm. They think just, I mean, irrationally. Oh, sure. And come to whatever conclusion that they want to. Well, here's what's up. Because Mm. Leah's story does not end there. What? Oh, no. Her murderers figured that with the job done... Everything would go back to normal, and they could carry on their pathetic little lives unbothered by Leah Smock. Too hot to handle, am I right? For the first week or so, they were seen to be celebrating their victory over evil. Just really proud of their good work, like going out to like the local tavern, partying, 
cracking jokes about how long she screamed and how fast she burned and Gross. like really being horrifically disgusting. Like, I don't know where y'all got the audacity, but you need to put it back. That's when the hauntings began. The first person to report seeing Leah's ghost was her mother, who saw her standing in the ashes of the smokehouse when they returned. Oh. Uh-huh. I truly can't imagine anything more heartbreaking. Like, you come home, you think you see her, but where's the smokehouse? And oh, no, she's dead. Yeah. Margaret said that once she kind of realized what had happened and that it wasn't real, she actually found it comforting. And if it can bring even a modicum of peace to a grieving mother, like have at it. Fine. You saw her ghost. You know that she's still around. Like that's good for you. Yeah. I I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I would not argue with her. Like just let her have it. But then Leah started appearing to her murderers. Always with what's described as a knowing glare in her eyes. A knowing glare. Mm -hmm. I kind of imagine it like the principal in the breakfast club. Like she's doing the I've got my eyes on you gesture. (laughs) You mess with the bull, you get the horns. Yeah. I was thinking like the the smirk and cocked eyebrow of like the rock. Oh, sure. Or like um, if you really want to throw it back. Do you remember Evil Monkey from Family Guy? Oh, right. Like, that's a good one. That's very good. Yeah. All of the people involved in her murder were plagued by her ghost. Like Mm. all of them reported seeing her. And when they realized this, they banded together again to desecrate her grave. Oh, come on. Yeah. Now, this is probably as good a time as any to mention that Leah was not allowed to be buried in the churchyard because she had been accused of witchcraft. Now, keep in mind that she was never arrested or formally charged. It was just a bunch of dumb hicks out for what they considered justice. But apparently that was proof enough for local clergy to deny her a burial site on consecrated ground. Instead, she was buried in what became the Elizabeth Daly Cemetery. Like, that's what it's known as today. She was the very first person to be buried there because she was the first person in the town's history banned from the graveyard. Hmm. Now back to the dumb hicks. They got together and took two wheelbarrows full of white sandstone to the cemetery and covered her grave with it. This was meant to like tie her to that site and make it impossible for her to keep haunting them. Now I did some research on sandstone and couldn't find anything explaining why they thought that would be a thing. Um, so it was either a local belief or maybe something that was more widespread at the time, but that we don't have record of anymore. Okay. Either way, it didn't work. <laughs> Sightings of Leah persisted at her grave, sure, at the site of her murder, and all throughout the woods of Lapland. Hmm. The fact that her ghost is so prevalent in that area, because she's still seen to this day, by the way is actually the main reason we even know who Leah is in the first place. Because like I mentioned, this was a tiny town and there was no trial. So there's no official record of who she was or what happened to her. Right. It's like, hey, what's with the dead chick in the white dress? Um, Kind of what got the story spread of her life because people kept seeing her ghost all the time and asking their neighbors like what's the deal with this dead chick that's weird right so her story kept getting shared and passed down that way she became a folktale 
but one firmly rooted in reality, unlike Crybaby Bridge, which seems to exist in every single town. (laughs) There's actually some proof that Leah is real because she's buried and has a headstone, the dates and everything. Unlike with a lot of word of mouth legends like hers, things didn't get blown out of proportion over time. You'd expect that almost 200 years after her death, we'd be hearing stuff like she killed an entire tobacco crop and cursed the land for generations and she ate raw goats and like wild stuff like that. (laughs) But no, there are just those two questionable instances with the horse and the baby and her friendship with a Cherokee who taught her about Ermal Ribbonies. And that's it. Even after all this time. That's pretty strange, but maybe it's... It's helped by the fact that it was a small a small municipality or whatever. Right. Like a very small, tight-knit community. Yeah, m- maybe. And I also feel like, especially because of the time period, like, and a lot of people not being super educated, mm-hmm. I mean, in the entire country at that time, but especially in this area, there's not a ton of ways to entertain yourself. So, like verbal storytelling is like a main way of bonding and being connected with your community and just not being so bored all the time. Yeah. So I'm sure that was a big part of it too. Hmm. It is pretty, pretty surprising though. Yes. I agree. But yeah, especially the fact that like we're, we're keeping it 100 with Leah. Like we're not going crazy with it. Now she lives on in a couple of notable ways. The first is that visiting her grave on Halloween night has become a rite of passage for middle school age kids in the area Hmm. and has been since at least the 1970s. In Gerald W. Fisher's book, Battletown Witch, he shares this story. A group of students took their dates to the cemetery on one such Halloween. The witching hour had come and gone and nothing happened. Being a November eve and chilly, the girls wanted to return to the cars, a long walk either way to get back. However, it's one way in and the same way out. The boys had flashlights and began walking toward the cars. They walked and walked for what seemed to be long enough to get back, before one of the boys said, I see something up ahead. The boys trained their lights on the objects and found it was Leah's tombstone. They were back where they started. Mm. shaken a little but undaunted another boy said i'll lead up back i think that's supposed to say i'll lead us back but that's the way it's written in the book (laughs) i don't know (laughs) once again they walked for longer than they needed to arrive at the cars and came right back to leah's grave this was repeated several times until almost dawn when they finally found their cars and went home so for hours whoa because it was like just a little bit past midnight and now the sun's coming up. Yeah. On November 1st. Huh. Uh-huh. Oh my God, how creepy is that? Very creepy. And a lot of kids, you know, over the last 50 years have reported having a similar experience when they go to her grave on Halloween night. The other major way that Leah is remembered, and in this case honored, is with an annual celebration called the Battletown Witch Festival. Held the last weekend in October in Meade County, Kentucky, the festival celebrates Leah's life by sharing folklore, native healing techniques, and Kentucky spiritualism. According to the event's website, their hope is that by honoring her in this way, it will help Leah's spirit rest a little bit easier. Hmm. 
And yeah. hopefully, hopefully it does. Well, guys, um, I know that was kind of a short one, but uh, thank you for spending that truncated amount of time with us. We really appreciate that. We hope you enjoyed learning about Leah. And if you did, I did. I'm so glad. Uh, go ahead, like, subscribe, leave a comment and a rating on whatever platform you're listening to. We're on pretty much every podcast platform, including YouTube Yep. at this point. Um, Clay has been putting up some really awesome looking thumbnail art on our YouTube for each of the episodes. So go check that out. Mm. Um, we are Fantastic History Podcast. That's right. On YouTube and TikTok. We are Fantastic HPod on Instagram. And we are Fantastic History Pod at gmail.com if you want to shoot us a message. Um, if you are looking for our merchandise, we are no longer on Etsy. I'm actually working on getting things moved over to Redbubble, which is a lot more user friendly in that I can upload a design one time and it appears in like 60 different types of products. Um, so in the next week or two, we'll start, um, sharing that link with you guys for Redbubble. So it'll be, you know, shirts, stickers, blankets, socks, phone cases, like pretty much anything that you can print a logo on. Um, we'll have stuff up on Redbubble for you to check out. Sweet. Yeah. Um, thanks again, guys. Until next time. Bye. Bye.